From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with Lebo President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Well, we've got uh, just a few things to go over, but I'm looking forward to a discussion in our deep dive with Lancaster County Sheriff Terry Wagner, because uh, our, the, the new uh, concealed carry law went into effect on September 2nd, and we're going to go deep with him. Yeah, I thought it'd be good um, for our business owners to hear from Sheriff Wagner um, about what 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 does this mean? What does this mean for them as business? And just uh, it, it's a good reminder since that law just went into effect on September 2nd to share that with our listeners. So I'm excited to to get him in here and have that conversation. It'll probably be a pretty, we'll call that the extended deep dive yes. or double deep dive or whatever we're going to call it today. Well, there's a lot of exceptions. There's a lot of things to consider. It's uh, just not a wholesale. Anybody can go out, get a concealed weapon. And by the way, this is more than just concealed handguns yeah, it's that are covered by weapons. This. Yeah. And, you know, and then we're probably going to try to see if we can get some more information to him about the uh, executive order that was issued by the mayor last week. Yeah. Okay. We'll uh, We'll see what that has to do. I've got a, a new Liba uh, crew member that has joined uh, the crew and uh, adding up policy and uh, research. Yeah. Um, so uh, we just started the beginning of the month. Carter Thiel joined us as our policy research coordinator. I'm excited to have Carter here. Um, he he has a, a degree in legal studies. So uh, he'll be really good at digging through the sausage for me uh, and digging through these uh, policies and statutes that we're taking a look at at LIBA. Um, so I'm really excited to get him uh, get him involved and uh, have his expertise helping us out as we follow all these policies and laws that are happening. Well, since we've just seen the official executive order from the mayor... <laughs> Maybe it's time for him to take a look at that and see how it compares to what the state statute is. He'll be digging into that, trust me, and and especially the impact that it has on uh, on our on our businesses. Yeah, so, Liba members are that's what this is all about. Yeah, and I encourage uh, anyone listening, uh, if you have questions about things going on at the city, the county, the school board, the legislature, reach out to Carter. Um, we're trying to get him, um, you know, kind of up to speed with everything. But if something comes up, make sure you reach out to him. His email address is Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R, at Liba, L-I-B-A dot org. Carter at Liba dot org. So um, we're very creative in our email addresses. So, um, But reach out to Carter. Uh, hopefully you'll see him at an upcoming event or something like and, that. And most likely at the uh, Liba luncheon coming up in a week or so. He will be at the Liba luncheon uh, later this month. on I believe it's September the 19th. It is September the 19th. And we're actually going to have Lynn McNally from Warhorse Casino uh, is going to come out and talk to us about what's going on at the casino, how it's been going, and all that. So I'm excited to have her coming out. Fresh off the Liba Foundation Golf Tournament, uh, you had a, a warm one that day. Oh, my gosh. It was warm that day, but praise be to God that there was wind because at least the breeze helped to alleviate that a little bit. So, you know, the, the Liba Foundation always does a good job working with Newmark Golf Course out there uh, to raise money for scholarships. We had about 30... 
34 teams playing in the golf tournament. And uh, those scholarships, I think, are just a great a great opportunity for the Leba Foundation to give back to the community. Well, I've, I've been impressed in the past years when the scholarships have been given out to hear the story of these scholarship recipients. There's some amazing young people that make use of these scholarships. It's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great. It's great to PR for the organization and for the foundation to give these scholarships on a bigger level. It's great to be supportive of our community. You talk about the amazing students that have received these scholarships. I have the good fortune of reading all the applications. And one of the components of the application is they have to write a 250 word essay on free what free enterprise means to them and it's really fun to read those and read what students think and you'd be amazed at the number of businesses that students are doing in high school it's it's probably i would say every year 10 to 15 percent of the 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 applications we get those students have started a business and several of them have parents who started business so free enterprise means a lot to them Part of the application uh, process also is uh, they've got to be uh, going to a college or university in Nebraska. Correct. correct. And they can be a two-year college, a four-year college, um, but it has to be in Nebraska. And they have to have graduated from a high school in Lincoln slash Lancaster County. So it's really, I mean, it's very local. And they can be a, a graduate of a homeschool program. Correct. Too. They can be homeschooled as well. And so... It's really awesome for those students to have that opportunity. I mean, our mantra is buy local, support local. Well, here you go. Local students getting scholarships to stay here in our state and, and pursue their education. So that's a that's a big deal for us. And it's also a good way to uh, inter interact with people that are going to be part of the workforce development, either as business owners or participants in uh, in some type of business in the state. Yeah, well, and if they're staying in the state to go to school, they're generally going to stay in the state. So we're looking at the future workforce. They're getting a good introduction to LEBA. Um, whenever you get a scholarship, I think it always gives, it always puts you in good light with uh, those students when they're given scholarships. So um, we're really trying to work hard to engage those students and, and continue to do it and grow our pool. Quick look at the calendar before we uh, bring uh, Sheriff Terry Wagner in. It's a busy month, and we're off and running. So uh, on the 14th, we have our BizNet, uh, which is going to be hosted by Aloe down there, uh, kind of in the Telegraph area, about 21st and K. On the 19th, I mentioned our luncheon at the Grand Manse with Lynn McNally from... Uh, She's with the Horseman's Benevolent. Horseman's Benevolent Society with War Horse. They're all connected. Um, they were involved in that. Saturday the 23rd, we're still waiting to find out what time kickoff is going to be. However, we will be having our annual Leba tailgate out at the From Nebraska gift shop in front of 8th and Q there. And then on the 26th, we'll have Coffee and Contacts, and that's going to be hosted by the Ball Loudon Law Firm in Hampton Enterprises uh, down there. Uh, Williamsburg. About Williamsburg area. So uh, take a look at the schedule of events. Stop by and come and see us. We always ask you to uh, share this podcast and let people know uh, Leva is out here in front with the latest uh, business news and information. And if you'd like a topic that uh, to be addressed, if you want more information, uh, get a hold of Bud. Bud at Leva.org. So give me an email. We'd be happy to take a look at that. And 
um, see what we can do to get more information out to you. This is all about trying to get information, and so we want, we appreciate your input. Sure. You know, information is a lot like money and fertilizer. <laughs> it's got to be spread around to really do uh, a lot of to good. To do any so, good, it's yeah. got to be spread. That's true. So anyway, uh, looking forward to uh, our deep dive coming up next with Lancaster County Sheriff Terry Wagner. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate impact on the success of our programs. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska's always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back in the Lincoln Business Beat, our deep dive is with Sheriff Terry Wagner, Lancaster County Sheriff. Welcome to Lincoln Business Beat. Thank you. Great to be here. Bud, um, we've talked, uh, I think, on the last edition about the uh, concealed carry changes that have been in. We've got Sheriff uh, Wagner in here to to go into the deep dive on it, what it means, what uh, businesses can do. So I know you've got uh, some of the documentation of the legislation that was passed in the unicameral, and I think it's a good time for us to uh, do this deep dive so that we all are a little more educated. Well, I think it's important for business owners to understand what does this mean to them, right? right. Um, it's, you know, there's there's been a lot of changes, um, you know, to the law, what it means, um, you know, I know you've re you've received a lot of contact, I think probably since last spring when this yep. law was passed by the legislature, it just went into effect. Was it on September 1st or September 2nd, September 2nd. Yep. So it went into effect on September 2nd. I know on September 1st, the mayor issued an executive order in Lincoln. So we're going to try to bring this all home for our business owners and um, provide them with some resources. But I guess, Sheriff Wagner, first of all, can you just give us a basic background of the law as you see it and that you've heard as you've worked to prepare your officers and your deputies to be involved with how this law works? Like, Kind of give us just the, okay. the, the overview of the law. Let's start well, there. First and foremost, you know, anybody who is legally able to possess a firearm um, can carry a weapon concealed. And so the uh, legislature, the, the carry concealed law is still on the books. So if you travel to another state, you may want to get a carry concealed permit because they may not have constitutional carry in that state. So a having said that, um, the, the prohibitors that existed before still exist now. You know, you can't be a, you can't be under federal indictment. You can't be a fugitive. You can't be a, a felon. Um, you can't use or be addicted to controlled substances. Um, you know, you're, uh, if you're illegal in the, if you're in this country illegally, you can't possess a, a weapon. If you're dishonorably discharged from the armed services, if you're the subject of a valid protection order, domestic, um, violence protection order, 
um, and, and certain uh, misdemeanors uh, that it enumerates in the statute. So uh, that's the prohibitors plus all so of So let me ask this. So it seems to me that those prohibitors are the same prohibitors that were in effect if you wanted to have a concealed carry permit. Is that correct? With or the, pretty close. With, yeah. Pretty close, with the exception of uh, the certain misdemeanor um, certain misdemeanors, but yeah, that's that is correct. Okay, so the, and, and, and with the important thing that the law did is it removed the ability of cities, villages, and counties to further restrict the carrying of concealed weapons. So, for example, Lincoln um, has had uh, for a, a number of years people who had uh, more than one DWI, certain assault violations, or convictions. Uh, and some other enumerated violations, if they had, they were not able to possess a weapon for oh five to ten years, whatever that might be. This law removes those those prohibitions that Lincoln and Omaha specifically had enacted to restrict the uh, carrying of concealed weapons. Okay, is now in the statute. What did they define as weapons when the legislature passed this? Um, Guns and and I'm sorry I don't have a copy of the statute well, in front of me, but yeah, you know, uh, certainly handguns are one thing. Um, knife, brass knuckles, um, those are the things that come to mind that okay that are most likely to be concealed weapons. And so yeah, so a pair of brass knuckles or a, a knife that's concealed is covered under this statute as well. Very good. So talk to our business owners. Um, you know, LIBA members, business owners. What does this mean for a business owner? Like, I think we, we, and we'll get into the city stuff a little bit later, but I want to just speak specifically to them as business owners. Um, what do they need to be aware of? What are their rights if they have a position one way or another re- related to weapons? I, right. I want to say guns, but it's weapons right. because that's what covers the statute. But so what does it mean for those business owners? Well, I think the business owner, the property owner, whichever the case may be, needs to make a decision whether they're going to allow concealed weapons or any weapons on their property. And just as when we walked in the studio here, there's a sign out front that was required under the carry concealed law uh, that businesses could opt out of having people carry concealed weapons in their building. You're going to have to do the same thing or continue to do the same thing under this statute. So if I, as a business owner, decide I don't want to have those weapons in my business, um, I can get that sign. It's got to be clearly marked. It's right. at the point of entry. Now, does it have to be, and, and if I'm asking too many questions or the wrong question, you just tell me, Sheriff Wagner. Um, so if I have two general public entry points, it would probably be wise to have one of those signs at both points. That's correct. correct? Yes. Okay. So whenever the public's going to enter... They need to. It needs to be conspicuously posted that concealed weapons are not permitted in that building, and so then the uh, the person, if they're carrying a weapon, they need to go secure it in your, in your vehicle. Okay, and so if and and here's an interesting one that you and I kind of talked about, and I think you got some information maybe from the AG's office, but. Um, we have a lot of business owners who rent their property from a property owner, and so does the person renting the property make that call, or is it the 
person who owns the property making that call because I think you talked we talked a little bit before we started about the AG's office and some right. of their 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 interpretations or the memo that they sent out. So um, you want to kind of just go through that well, a little bit let, on how they define that? Let's think about that. If you know, if I own a building and you rent it from me, and somebody falls and gets injured uh, because of a crack in the sidewalk or a crack in the floor, who gets sued? You or me or both? And Usually the deepest pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think, yeah. you know, so the same thing would happen here. If somebody would is allowed to come in with a, a firearm and they injure somebody, are you or, or I liable for the actions of that person? And so is it incumbent upon us to prohibit concealed weapons in our building if we want to avoid that potential liability? That's a question every business owner and or building owner needs to really make a, make for themselves. So I want to just be clear to our listeners: we are not providing legal advice. <laughs> we are just not. we are just having a conversation about this issue. So, if you're a business owner that owns, or you're a business owner who's renting your property from someone else, my recommendation would be go sit down with the owner of the property or the manager of the property and have the conversation about what does this mean as a business owner and how should they. And I think they should discuss it with their insurance carrier as well. That's I, a great I, point. I think Sheriff that, Wagner, I think they've right? got. They've got, uh, you know, they've got some skin in the game as well that they may strongly suggest to you that that you prohibit or not uh, weapons in your building. Great. So that's a, that's great advice. So talk to your insurance carrier, talk to the building owner, property managers. Uh, just be open in having that conversation. Right. I think exactly. is is very important. And and understand this law went into effect September second. Um, so it's less than a week into, into play here, um, but it's something you're going to want to be thinking about. And that's really, I think, when Mark and I talked about this, uh, we wanted to get somebody in and, and have you come in, Sheriff, and talk about that. So The other thing you have to have in, in that signage is it's got to be very clear and succinct. So it's not, it can't be ambiguous in any way. Right. It's got to be conspicuously posted, just like, just like your sign on your building here that, you know, says there's a big... There's a gun with a circle around it and a line through it, and and concealed weapons not permitted in this building, and that's that's really what it. What it's it not means. a great big legal contract sign. No, it's just sure you got to make it aware, make it aware to yeah. people. So, um, let's talk about the law because it talked about certain places, which I think you know you can't carry those weapons, and I mean there's I think there's a whole litany of list. Uh, if you do, you want to just go through that sure. list. Sure. If because if people do have a you know a concealed carry permit, they probably know some of these. But there are people that may not have a concealed carry right. permit that that need to be aware of this. Well, any law enforcement building, so um, any detention facility, any jail or prison, any courtroom or building containing a courtroom, um, any polling place during a bona fide election, any meeting of the legislature or local government governing body. So that'd be county board, city council. School board, NRD board, yes, all on down the line. That's correct. Uh, financial institutions, professionals or semi-professional athletic events. So that would cover Haymarket, Haymarket Park. Park. Uh, any school, the university else? too, right? That's covered. That's, sem- under, that's covered under this one. Okay. Elementary, vocational, secondary school, building, grounds, vehicle activity, college or university. Okay, there you go. Um, place of worship. Now, there's an exception for that if. If you um, are part of a security team for the church, and and the and the parishioners know that you have that there's a security team and they can carry, 
that's that's, that's a really lab. good point because I know there are churches that have a that's security right. team and they have to go through us. I think they generally the churches will have them go through a specific training. That's correct. Just to cover their so you know yep. find out from your church what that might be. Yep. Um, hospital emergency rooms or trauma centers, uh, political rallies or fundraisers, uh, establishments that uh, derive over fifty percent of its income from the sale of alcohol, and then other locations where carrying a concealed handgun is prohibited under federal law. Airports. Okay. So uh, those are the you know ten or twelve uh, places where financial institutions and places of worship may authorize armed security. So that's what we talked about earlier. Um, so yeah. So then, um, if you can't carry a firearm in those buildings that were mentioned, then you need to uh, lock glove compartment, trunk compartment, uh, or uh, an attached storage box in the vehicle. Uh, locked in there before you leave the vehicle. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of how that works. So, um, you know, just and it, it's important if well, you can also you can always hit rewind on the podcast. You can listen to it multiple times. We do allow that, right, Mark? Absolutely. <laughs> Encourage actually, um, but also I think you can just uh, go to the Nebraska Legislature's website, uh, legislature or nebraskalegislature.gov, and you can do some searches on there. Um, also, uh, I know earlier this year when this law came out, you kind of put out a, a, I'll call it an overview memo. Yeah, so just a speak, little right? white paper because we were getting questions already as soon as the law passed. And I, when I when I drafted that, it was before the governor had even signed it, although he was expected to, and he eventually did. But it just covered some of the highlights of LB-77, what it, what it allows and what it doesn't allow, and... Um, you know, so, uh, you know, people can go to our website uh, at uh, Lancaster.Sheriff uh, um, and then click on public information and, and that white paper is there. Uh, and they can take a look at some of those some of those uh, highlights of this law. I think the other thing for employers, too, are, em- are employ- employer-owned vehicles. Yeah, that's, that's a really good so point. So that's another area where an employer needs to evaluate whether or not they're going to allow their employees to carry concealed uh, in in their vehicles. Do they allow them to have a, a gun in a vehicle now? In, case, in most cases, not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, that's something they need to work through and decide as a business how they want to go forward. Well, and one of the things that I, I just want to point out uh, in this memo that you put out, there's two things. Um, number one, uh, you cannot conceive carry a concealed weapon while you're consuming alcohol or intoxicated. So that's that's something as, you know, you went through a concealed carry class. It's one of the things. But the other one um, that I think is important for people to know, and I'm glad that you have this on here, Sheriff Wagner, is a person must carry identification with them when carrying concealed weapon. And if they are contacted by law enforcement and a law enforcement officer, they must disclose that they have a concealed handgun. So Correct. I, and I just want to clarify that because there was a lot of debate in the legislature. Okay, if I'm walking down the street, Terry Wagner's walking down the other side of the street, do I need to run up to Terry and say, Sheriff Wagner, Sheriff Wagner, I'm carrying a concealed weapon? Like, no, that's no. not it. It's no. if you're stopped by law enforcement yep. for a traffic violation, maybe you're involved in an accident or law enforcement comes to question you about something, or, you know, they may even come, if you're carrying in your business, they may come and say, 
hey, we've had some break-ins, some robbery, like that kind of an interaction, right? right. Any con- any any official law enforcement contact. Yes. So, and and that's important because I know um, from taking the class, the the person that taught the concealed carry class that I took was very specific. He said, if you ever get stopped, he said, here's how I carry my concealed carry permit. I have it right behind my driver's license. So if I get stopped by law enforcement and they ask me for my ID, right next to my ID is my concealed carry permit. And he said, he just hands it to him and says, here, here's my license. Here's my concealed carry permit. I do have something in the vehicle. I right. do have something on my person or I am not carrying or whatever it may be just to disclose that. So I, I thought that was really good. I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of the old hunter safety days Absolutely. when I took my hunter safety course. Um, but I think that's just a good practice. So if you happen to have, I mean, and, and I don't think an officer is ever going to get upset if you over communicate with them. Oh. I, I've never heard an officer say, Dad Gummit, why are you telling me so much information? Right? Yeah. Um, like if you're carrying a gun in the back of your car because you're on your way to a hunting trip, you might want to tell them that, yep. you know? I mean, those kind of things. So just make sure you if, communicate if you that. Have, I think if it's you important. have a pistol in your center console or in your glove compartment, you say, I have a you know, I have a firearm in a vehicle and they're gonna they're gonna say where is it? It's in the glove box. It's in the console. They'll either say leave it there, or we need to make it safe during this contact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the officer will walk them through that process. Um, I got stopped out in Wyoming, um, and I had a, a pistol in my center console, and um, uh, it was in a small town. And anyway, I'm embarrassed I got stopped. But anyway, um, I said I, I want to let you know that I have, I have a firearm in my center console. He says. Uh, he says, I, I, I said, I'm armed. He says, everybody in Wyoming is armed. <laughs> I said, touche. Okay, good point. And, and that's really what we're telling our deputies now. You have to assume everybody is armed until you find out they're not. Mm-hmm. And that's really how you need to approach every traffic stop and, and citizen contact. Well, and I've, I've actually, I, I actually use the, I have a, a firearm in the car, and it, either it's loaded or it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because if you have a handgun, you may have a clip in it, you may not. Right. Um, so I think those are the, the good things. So I think that's really great. Again, you can go to lancaster.ne.gov, go to the sheriff's office, go to public information, and check out this uh, uh, kind of, I'll call it kind of an FAQ memo, white right. paper yeah. from Sheriff Wagner on that. So um, I'm going to shift gears here for a minute, Sheriff, and and talk about an executive order um, that we were taking a look at uh, from the mayor regarding the city of Lincoln. And and, and just want to kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, and, and I will clarify with this statement, and I'll try to do as much as I can. This is my personal opinion from reading it. I'm not saying this is Sheriff Wagner's opinion. But but it feels to me like there are some questions in in this because... It talks about, well, first of all, the purpose of the weapons policy from the mayor's office is the city of Lincoln policy of prohibiting of possession of weapons in all vehicles, buildings, and facilities owned, leased, controlled, or maintained by the city of Lincoln is intended to protect and promote the health, safety, and welfare of community residents. So, we def- in this order, city property is defined as premises under the care and control of the city of Lincoln, including but not limited to owned or leased property contracted by or managed by the city in common areas, including but not limited to public sidewalks, approach sidewalks, steps, verandas, parking lots, parks, vestibules, interior hallways, and atriums under the city's ownership and control. 
and then it goes on to say, um, in some of their exceptions, that any person who secures a weapon in their personal or work vehicle on city property, the vehicle must be locked and the weapon shall not be visible from outside the vehicle. So I, I'm a bit confused by that because it says you can't have it on city property, but yet, so to me, that interprets as if I go down to the city council meeting and I happen to have a concealed weapon and I park in the, I don't know if it's the city or county's parking lot just north of the building, but basically yeah. the same. Yep. I can leave it in my car as long as it's secured my car. Right. Um, I just can't take it in the building. Correct. Uh, so, and and I know that there's some crossover where the sheriff's department's involved in both the county and the city right. and different things like that. It has to do with public building commission. Yeah, all those kind of things. It, that's a whole other three podcasts to dig through all those things, right, Sheriff? Um, but the one that was interesting to me was sidewalks. Because well, I, that, that's 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 difficult because if I'm carrying a concealed weapon and happen to have it in my backpack and I'm not going into a city building, but I'm walking down a sidewalk, based on the executive order, my interpretation, and I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a law enforcement officer, nor have I stayed in a Holiday Inn Express recently, <laughs> um, would be that that would be a violation of of the law. I'm having a difficult time with well, that. you know, and I and I as I read LB seventy seven, you know, it prohibits any city um, from enacting or enforcing a local ordinance um, that would um, impact the ownership, possession, storage, transportation, sale, uh, or transfer of firearms unless specified. You know, and all the all the buildings that we talked about under the prohibited places are covered in the statute. Are covered in the statute, and I think they're pretty much the same now, i can i can see some um city-owned property that's not covered under this um and that might be the target of of that executive order i don't know and i'm not like i'm not a lawyer either and um i i'm sure there'll be some there's got to be discussions coming there's, up. Yeah, there's got to be some and, legal opinions about whether or not that's valid and and allowed. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Well, um very interesting. So, um again, I just want to kind of wrap up here and again, uh Lancaster County Sheriff Terry Wagner, we appreciate you taking time to come in, but um you know, number 1, I think is just go go take a look at the statute and understand the law. Um yep. if you if you're going to carry a weapon, I mean, we didn't deputize everybody in Nebraska to now, right. you know, be Wyatt Earp or anything like that. But what what it is is go in and take a look and interpret the law or look at the law, understand where you can and can't carry it. Um, I think, you know, uh, Sheriff Wagner included uh, Lancaster.ne.gov. Go to the sheriff's page. Go to the public information. Take a look at the white paper on those kind of things. What other kind of things as we wrap up here, Sheriff Wagner, just general tips for people if they're if they're going to participate in this opportunity well you know as you know um you know i've had a lot of people come up to me and say i'm going to start carrying a, a concealed weapon what should i buy well you probably shouldn't buy anything if if you've never if you're not a handgun enthusiast um because it's a perishable skill that you need to you need to be willing to commit to practice on a regular basis having said that um you know, if you're looking at home defense, there are lots of different weapons that are maybe a better choice than a than a than a pistol. 
uh, for home defense, and that's a choice that you need to make. Uh, the second thing is, you know, if you're armed and you, you find that you're going to be in an armed encounter, you know, as you know from your carry concealed class, your life will never be the same if you if you shoot and kill somebody with that concealed weapon. It's just a fact, and and uh, you know the law enforcement officers that I know have been involved in deadly encounters. Their lives are never the same, and and just about everybody who has taken a life, um, you know, in in their defense, ha- have been changed forever. So it's it's really something you need to think long and hard about. Yeah, I would I would say I was volunteering with a youth league up in Omaha this summer, and there was an officer um, that was involved in our league and and was involved in a shooting in Omaha, and it wasn't even fatal. Um, and it was difficult. It was the first time that officer had had to fire their duty weapon. And so, um, I mean, this is, this serious stuff. I mean, that's, I, and, and I, I don't want to diminish this, but I go back to that hunter safety course that, that I took out at the Isaac Walton league in the 1980s. It's, I mean, you have to manage these things safely. I think a, 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 a responsible person handling a gun can be a very responsible person and an irresponsible person handling a gun can be the same. And it, it's just, it's like a, ve- a motor vehicle. Yeah. A responsible to. person can handle a motor vehicle and be fine. You handle it irresponsibly yep. and that's when bad things happen. I think the other thing is, you know, you need to, you need to let your family and friends know if you're, let's say you're at a restaurant and you're with, you know, your family you need to have a plan in place should somebody come in there that's armed that's going to rob the place and you're going to intervene you know do you number one do you need to number two if you do what about your family mm-hmm. you know what are they going to do and i i remember asking my son that question he goes i'm going to stick to you like glue and i said no you need to get as far away from me as you can because there's a good likelihood i'm going to draw fire if that happens and i don't want you mm-hmm. anywhere close to me you need to get to the nearest exit and so People, they need to have that discussion and just go through some of the scenarios that might possibly warrant them using a, a weapon. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not to be taken lightly, that's for sure. Well, and I, and I want to reiterate your point. Um, it, it's good to practice. And, and honest to God, training. Yeah. Um, I've taken a couple of different training classes just on shooting. Um, I've done it with my long guns, too. Yep. Uh, just because... You know, you hear about hunting accidents on a regular basis, and those kind of things I I think are never, you know, continuing education is never bad. Right. Um, and so really, you know, take that seriously. And certainly most of the people my age, you learn to shoot from your dad, your brother, your buddies, mm-hmm. and they may not be the best the best techniques yeah. to, to, uh, to shooting. And so you need to sometimes sharpen sharpen those skills a bit. Was well, and, and everybody shoots differently. Yeah. Some people have both eyes open. Some people close one. I mean, it's yeah. it. You know, some people stand differently, and all those kind of things. You really have to, you have to figure out what works for you. What's best for you? That's yeah, exactly because what right. works good for me doesn't mean it works good for my wife. Yeah. You know, she's like, "How do you stand?" Well, you got to figure out how you stand. Like that's that's the, those kind of things. So it's it's very important. Take it very seriously. Again, if you're a business owner uh, and you're renting property, especially. Yep. Uh, talk with the property manager, talk with your insurance company. If you're a property manager and operating a business out of there, I would be talking to my team yep. and I would be talking to my insurance companies and those kind of things. So, um, And I would add that if you're an employer, I would certainly uh, 
get with your HR department or your personal or company attorney. And if you have a, a policy in your handbook or part of your policy, this would be good to have it included in an yep. employee handbook. What's Absolutely. Your, what's your business policy for employees yep. is. Sure is. It's very important. So uh, a lot of important things, uh, a lot of good information covered here today with uh, Lancaster County Sheriff Terry Wagner. Um, and as we wrap up, Sheriff, I just want to thank you uh, for your service to our community. You have been the Lancaster County Sheriff for a very long time, and you have been a very committed and faithful law enforcement officer. Um, I know you, your, your department was, I think in the lead a little bit during the riots, having mm-hmm. to protect, um, city hall and those kind of things. And, and you've been through a lot over the years. Uh, and I just, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and your commitment to law enforcement and the people of Lincoln and Lancaster County. So thank, thank you. you very much, thank Sheriff very Wagner. Much. Uh, and for my position in, in the broadcast news, I want to thank you for the transparency that uh, you and your officers have when it comes to dealing with the news media. It's uh, not only easy to chat with the uh, newsmakers in this case, but you'll also be honest and uh, sometimes blunt with us when we may be asking questions that you can't answer. You don't hesitate to say. And, and you know, and and we know we need each other. I mean, there are times when we need the media's help to get the word out. And the media here is very good about assisting us in getting that information out. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that from uh, from our news perspective, especially. Yes. Uh, thank you, Sheriff Wagner. Uh, we appreciate it. We hope uh, everyone will share this podcast um, with your friends, your employees, your coworkers, your family. Um, I think this is there's some really great content in here for folks to understand and take a look at and, uh, make sure you share it. And, uh, we'll be back again next week with more on the Lincoln business. Beat. And be sure and review it as well. We really appreciate that. Thanks to uh, Sheriff Terry Wagner, Lancaster County Sheriff. You've been listening to the Lincoln business beat from the Lincoln independent business association and KLIN radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes.